Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're up and running again. So smooth. So sweet. Splendid. Succinct. Just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me, as always, will be my co-host, my friends and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. And together, the three of us will handicap a pretty pivotal week upcoming in the soccer calendar. We've got Arsenal and City in a huge title race six-pointer on Wednesday for round of 16 matches in the Champions League. We'll touch a little on Europa League. Uh, including Barcelona and United, uh, and then we'll get out of here. We're recording this before the Super Bowl, um, which Anthony informs me features the Eagles and the Chiefs. Uh, so that's fun. But we've got our own Super Bowl, and that's on Wednesday, and that's featuring Arsenal and City. The odds I'm about to read to you come to us via Bet365, the world's favorite sports book brand. Uh, remember to sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive. Offer in New Jersey and Colorado, bet $1 on any game, get 200 free. BJ, this is a huge game for you. It for is. Your team, Arsenal, plus 190 at home. They're underdogs to Man City coming off a thrashing of Aston Villa. They're plus 125 on the road. Perhaps all is well at the Etihad. After all, mm-hmm. the draw is plus 260. Arsenal coming off a loss to Everton. Then they drew with Brentford in a game I don't even think they deserve to get a point out of. Oh, stop. But is the market kind of overlooking the Gunners off those two performances? Yeah, I mean, this is just a classic uh, sell-high spot on City and a buy-low spot on Arsenal. I really don't think that the Gunners should be underdogs because, first off, these two teams just played in the FA Cup, what was that, two weeks ago on a Friday? Arsenal rolled out, you know, not entirely their B team, but a lot of second-choice players of all City. Remember, it was at the Etihad, and Pep played a pretty much a full-strength squad and City did absolutely nothing in the entire match. They had just 0.32 expected goals and an expected threat of 0.68, two penalty box shots. And, oh, both those came after Thomas Party came off the pitch in favor of Lukonga, who's already now at loan at Crystal Palace. So, yes, Arsenal has not played well the last few matches. They were outplayed by Everton, and then for large stretches, was outplayed by Brentford, even though they got screwed uh, on the set-piece goal that VAR just forgot to draw the line where it should be. So that was fun. Uh, but no, I mean, Arsenal, this is Arsenal at home. They've been unbelievable there this season, plus 1.4 expected goal differential per 90 minutes. While City, when they've played the big six away from home, they haven't played too well. Like, they, if you go back and look, 
they played Liverpool when Liverpool was pretty far down and, and at their lowest. Liverpool outplayed them or outcreated them unexpected goals 2.1 to 1. They're really the only time they've actually beaten a team on expected goals was against Chelsea, who was at their low point after the World Cup as well. They got outplayed, obviously, by United, and they recently just got outplayed by Spurs. So I'm not so sure that they should be a favorite here. I get it. They just beat Aston Villa, and they created a bunch of expected goals. But the game state kind of changes when you score off a set-piece goal in the third minute. So I'd like to see how that match would play out if Villa didn't concede inside the first three minutes. So... I will be playing Arsenal. I do have them projected at plus 150 and City at plus 177. So I think the line should actually be flipped. I don't really think Arsenal should be an underdog here. So I'm rolling with my Gunners. Draw no bet at plus 105. I really, I don't think they should be an underdog. I think City still has problems. I kind of like the draw here for a couple of reasons. One, two really good defenses. Two teams that do a lot of the same things well. Um, And I just don't think either team would be that upset with getting a point out of this match. I think city had city had Arsenal not dropped two points over the weekend. It would be a different story, but now the calculus kind of changes a little bit and city can play more of a big picture view of this game uh, and say, all right, well let's just there's three, we're three points back. I know Arsenal's got a game in hand, uh, but if we kind of just stay here and bet on ourselves to have the better stretch run, that's not a terrible tactic let's say uh so i i I think anthony's bet kind of plays into this a little bit or at least where he's looking Uh, i think that this is going to be a little bit of a a snoozer uh that used to be the cliche with these when these two teams not arsenal and city but when one versus two would play uh prior to the classics between city and arsenal over the past few years that we would say ah you know these these games oftentimes end up being slugfests and kind of boring and both teams play pragmatically and then it stopped that that trend kind of stopped for a couple seasons and i think we're going to actually head back towards that and and see two teams so uh, i like to draw plus 260 i don't hate an exact score of like maybe nil nil you'll get a good number uh because people will expect us some goals um but that's where i'm looking here uh, i'll probably be on the draw yeah, I lean toward the under uh, at two and a half. It's a little bit dicey, but you know, two and three quarters. If we get there, I, I really like the under. This Arsenal attack uh, has shown some signs of of weakness in the last couple of weeks, uh, and I think that we're going to continue to see that uh, with Jesus being out. Uh, I know BJ mentioned last week that he thought Inketia was better. I would strongly disagree, and I think you're kind of seeing that a little bit. The thing that concerns me is like we know what we're getting from Arsenal. Like they've been playing pretty much the same 11 for the last pretty much all season, you know, sub one guy here or there. Uh, But we don't know what we're going to get from city from a lineup perspective. Like he played a back three today with a ton of attackers on the field. Rodri Gundogan, double pivot, Rico Lewis benched and then played, uh, you know, three in front of them, three in front of Rodri and Gundogan and then Holland up top. I think we may see the same, but then you're asking a lot of your, of your, wide center backs to, to guard flanks. And you're asking a lot of, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Mares to track back and defend or De Bruyne, if he, uh, depending on where he ends up in that formation, Grealish getting back defensively. Like there's a lot of question marks about it. Pep can really get away with being that aggressive on the road at Arsenal. Now, if he wants to go full tilt and try to outscore them, 
I obviously don't like my under in that situation. So this is going to be one of those games where I kind of have to wait a little bit until we get closer to game time and, and potentially even lineups, let the market settle uh, because I'm not quite sure where we'll end up on this one. But in, in terms of just like where I am on both of these teams, you know, you, if you listen to this show every week, you know that I'm a, a still believe that Arsenal is not good enough to be more than a goal better than their opponents per 90, which they've been in the first half. I think regression comes there. Uh, but City's attack has been pretty lackluster overall, too. They had a good game today, over three expected goals, uh, over two and a half non-penalty. Good showing. Definitely was an, in, an inspired performance, which, you know, I guess we could have expected after a couple of, you know, Pep kept challenging them and tinkering the lineup. But, yeah, I mean, I, I struggle with this match. I'm I'm not going to feel forced to bet it. We've got Champions League on the same time. It'll be a great day for the, the triple box, but... Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with Levov's angle too, though. Like a draw isn't a bad result for either side. And let's not forget the last two matches from Arsenal, it's going to be a completely different approach, right? Because they've played two teams that play very, very deep low blocks and look to counter them. You know, City's probably going to control the majority of the possession. And even if we go back to last year, I know it wasn't, you know, things are obviously very different right now, but Arsenal really did outplay City for a large stretch of that match at the Emirates. They countered them really, really well. And then Gabriel got a dumb red card. They got a phantom pen city got a phantom penalty. And then from there, the match got flipped on its head and Rodri scored to win two one. But I think if you see a similar game plan from Arsenal, who can sit deep, who does defend well in transition and can counter city who, yeah, Anthony, I agree with you. It's going to be a very interesting approach. Does Pep go like what he did against Tottenham, which was a very defensive approach, very afraid of getting hurt on the counter, or does he go very attacking? I think he probably wasn't very afraid of, of Aston Villa countering them. So yeah, it will be interesting to see what he does, but yeah, it's going to be, you know, I don't, yeah, Arsenal's in bad form, but it's just a completely different style of play and a completely different opponent in city where they're going to, you know, Arsenal's going to have to play more defensive, which they did a good job of in the last meeting. Yeah. And going back to that January meeting, like I think that uh, that game was headed way toward an under, I mean, it was going to be a one nil yeah, Arsenal it was. Look like until the penalty. So uh, they did a really good job of suppressing city shots which is something Tottenham just did, which is something that uh, Arsenal did a good job of in the FA Cup. So, you know, if if City's going to have a lot of stale possession, uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, you look toward the under. Also, I mean, at this point, like Brentford and Everton did a really good job pressing, I thought. And I don't know that City's at that level uh, of energy off the ball. They have not been the same pressing team this year. So uh, it'll be interesting. Of course, they're, they're dominant possession. But, uh, you know, with the impetus being on the road favorite, this is an an easy pass for me. It's for, in terms of the side. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know if City's on Everton's level. Um, I agree. Let's yeah. move on to at least uh, that Champions. day they weren't. <laughs> let's move on to Champions intensity. League. Uh, real quick, I'm going to run through the odds. Of course, from our friends at Bet365, uh, City at the top as a favorite, clear favorite, plus 175. Bayern's plus 650. PSG eight to one. Those two teams play each other. Liverpool, Madrid, uh, Napoli all ten to one. Chelsea sixteen. Spurs 18, Benfica 28 to 1, Inter 33 to 1, Milan 50, uh, Dortmund 50, Leipzig interesting long shot. Uh they would be what 40 to 1, 50 to 1 if they weren't playing City I think in round of 16. Mm-hmm. Uh they're 100 to 1. Uh Porto 100 to 1, Frankfurt 100 to 1, and um, Bruges 150 to 1. I think Frankfurt interesting as well. Um let's move on to uh we'll start with Milan and Spurs, Anthony's Tottenham this is the inconsistent bowl. Milan's plus 155 at home on the three-way line. Spurs plus 180. The draw plus 230. The two advanced line. Milan a slight underdog plus 125. Spurs minus 175. This is a classic Champions League matchup when you can say neither one of these teams deserves 
the fact that one of these teams is going into the round uh, or the quarterfinals is is a little bit of a, a shame because of the way that they played. But yet, you know, it's you, you you get in the hat. That's all. That's all you can ask for out of your teams. Um, I kind of like Spurs here. I think that there's kind of some fun narrative angles with uh, Conte going back to Italy here, playing a a style that should suit him with the kind of impetus being on Milan at home to to get ahead. I think that should play in, into their hands, but it's so hard to trust either one of these teams. Milan, one, two, and three in their last six. That's win, draw, loss. Spurs, three wins, one draw, four losses. A win against City, losses to uh, Arsenal City. Leicester, that Leicester game this weekend is just hilarious because it looked like Spurs, maybe we're about to build, start building something and, and the market would be like, all right, like maybe we can trust Spurs in the spot, but now look out. Anthony, anything here? I would have loved Tottenham if I was smart. If I were smart enough to bet it two weeks ago when they were damn near plus a half, uh, I would have loved Tottenham plus a half in this spot. But uh, as a as a road slight underdog uh, from a side perspective, no interest in this match. It's funny. I tweeted on Saturday, like oh or Friday, uh, you know, it's hard to see this Milan team beating Spurs, and then Spurs went in and put in a way worse performance than Milan did. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of question marks for both teams here. First of all, uh, Milan looks like they're getting some positive injury news here. Tamori looks like he may be back. Ben Asser will be back. Uh, that's huge. I mean, that's their best defender and their best midfielder, their best ball stopper in the midfield. Their defense has like fallen off a cliff in the last month. It's been terrible. Uh, and that's a huge red flag. But like, does Ben Asser, who's their best deep line playmaker and their best ball winner, improve their defense with Tamori back too? They're also getting bad goalkeeper play. Meg Manion's been out. The backup's been really, really bad at shot stopping and, and coming off of his line and just making bad, bad decisions. And now Tottenham has a goalie problem. They have a midfield problem. Benton Kerr's out for the season. They have a goalie problem because Lloris is out. And I'm no Fraser Foster fan at this point. Uh, and what? I don't think they're getting, they're, they're not going to get much out of him in terms of plus shot stopping. So, I mean, we know what the Tottenham plan is. Uh, they're going to sit deep and they're going to look to transition counter. And I think that they are as a defense, well-suited to do that because they have, you know, defenders who are good without the ball and good in defend defending the penalty area. Milan's not going to get transition, which is where they're generally pretty good too. So I think this plays out as a bit of a stalemate. Uh, don't hit a draw, don't hit an under, same thing. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many question marks about these teams defensively right now with the goalies. Uh, BJ, real quick, I know you don't have much interest from a, a betting perspective. This is the easiest pass on the board. I mean, there's so much inconsistency with both these teams that, yeah, this is just, there's so many better matches in the champions league. Yeah. I'm, I'm just passing on this altogether. Perhaps it's this one, uh, PSG at home plus 162 to Bayern road favorite plus 145, very slight road favorite, uh, the draws plus 280 Bayern's minus 200 to advance PSG plus 150 kind of have talked a little bit in our league own section about, uh, PSG's injury issues. Mbappe, Messi, uh, looks like Neymar should be all right for this one. I don't mind uh, backing Bayern here. This is just, it feels like a classic PSG Champions League spot where they just, it's, their, their journey just kind of ends. Like you can almost always see it coming with this team in this competition. And, and it feels like this, it, it just doesn't bode well. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's Bayern here or nothing. Anthony, um, I think most people will, will be backing it to be a little more back and forth. Uh, considering the two attacks that we're looking at just on, on name value, uh, you're going the other way. Yeah, I'll be looking to play PSG in the return leg for sure. I think that they definitely uh, present matchup advantages 
in this situation against this Bayern team. Like Bayern, as much as Nagelsmann tinkers and like changes the plan and and they do a lot of different things. Like if you look on paper at this team and you were to say like, where's Bayern week? And it would be that they concede quality shots. I mean, they just like are bottom five in the Bundesliga and average shot uh, XG per shot allowed. And uh, they tend to get broken open. And when you're playing Mbappe, Neymar and Messi, that's like the worst possible nightmare scenario combination. And they're, especially going to be favored in the second leg, depending on how the first leg plays out. Like if they're minus more than minus a half in the, in the second leg, like that's just going to be PSG time. Uh, I love that spot, but like in terms of it, we'll talk about that in a month, but like this matchup, I mean, it looks like Messi's out and Mbappe's out. And like, that's pretty much most of the PSG attack. I mean, they wanted to add depth in the transfer window. They couldn't, um, and, and Neymar can like be okay, but, like there's just not all that much talent on this team. If you look at the, the eleven that they started at uh, Monaco on Sunday, like or Saturday, it was just not a team that is going to go toe to toe with Bayern in the Champions League. Now, I do think if we know anything about Galtier is that he can he can set them up defensively and and make them a defend team and and kind of get at this you know pretty overvalued Bayern attack still. Like at the other end of the pitch, Bayern is still not getting the same quality of shots that they were getting when they had Lewandowski even though Musiala is amazing and like, you know, Gnabry is amazing. Like they have great attackers, but they don't get the same focal central located shots. And so I think when they play elite, other elite teams, you're going to see their defense, their attack struggle. And and you've kind of seen it. I mean, they, when they played Dortmund, they scored two goals, but they didn't take a shot until the 40th minute. They finished with under one and a half expected goals. They played Leipzig. They scored once on less than one expected goal. Like if you're going to play against the elite elite, uh, I think you can see some flaws in this Bayern attack. So I like the under 3.25. Uh, I bet that three and a half. If you follow me in the app, we bet that before the Messi news. So it was even better afterwards. This is just classic. Like, oh, it's going to be back and forth. It's two great attacks, but like it's the first leg. And especially with PSG not having their guns now, like they're going to sit and they're going to try to keep this within a goal. And if they keep within a goal, then they're live to go to, to go to Bayern in a month and win it with the, with the talent they have. Yeah. I, uh, I find this very interesting because you guys, do you guys want to take a quick guess how many times Byron's lost this season in all competitions? Just, just quick guess. Four? Less. Once. I think they've only lost once, right? Yeah. Augsburg. <laughs> um, Jesus. But they've had a they lot won. of draws though. Yeah. But if you go back to the champions, like I understand it was a long time ago. I understand Sadio Mani was healthy for that, that portion, but they won every single match. And the second leg against Barcelona was very, very impressive. It's a match. I think we all think, I think pretty much all of us were on Barcelona at that point. Um, but Bayern went in there. They created two expected goals. They beat them three, nothing. They created five big scoring chances against now is one of the best teams in the world. And I understand they've drawn three times in the Bundesliga, but they've won the expected goals battle in every single match outside of the Wolfsburg match out of the world cup break. And if you go through PSG, in the past in these type of champions like situations, I agree with you, Anthony Galtier went with a three, five, two against Monaco on Saturday. So he can very easily drop that into a five, three, two play very, very defensive. Um, and there's some interesting with the injury news on Messi and Mbappe. They're trying to say like, there's some positive news. They might be fully fit. I'm not really sure. Uh, even if they aren't like we've seen it time and time again from PSG, if those three are on the field together, they do very little to no defensive work. So now you're trying to defend one of the best attacking sides with a ton of great attacking wingers. I understand they don't have an out-and-out striker, but trying to defend all of those wingers with seven, eight outfield players 
is a very, very difficult thing to ask, especially for someone like Verratti, who's not entirely healthy right now. So I have major, major question marks about how PSG is going to actually defend Bayern Munich. It is the first leg. They'll probably play more defensive. But yeah, if if Messi and Mbappe are out, then that's just that's just troublesome. I don't know how they're going to... I mean, obviously they have Neymar and Egateke has been decent in, in spots this season. But I mean, they played three teenagers against Monaco. Are they going to have to do that in this first leg against Bayern Munich? Um, that is just troublesome. So I like Bayern on the money line. Uh, I, if you follow me in the app, you know that I bet it right when the Mbappe news came out that he was going to be out. So it's dropped quite a bit, but I do think there's still is some value on Bayern Munich here in this first leg on the money line. An interesting strategy here too would be like if PSG loses 2-1 or, or 1-0, then maybe uh, backing them with a future to win win the entire tournament, right? Like, because, you know, like the way that this draw sets up, you're already going to be without, that, that would require them to eliminate Bayern. So that's one of the favorites out. And then yeah. Madrid and Liverpool, they're they're playing each other. Uh, and the then you have teams like Benfica playing Bruges. So you're getting a soft team coming through to the, the quarterfinals. Uh, you could even, even Chelsea, even Chelsea Dortmund. Right. I was gonna Tottenham say Chelsea Dortmund, right? So like the the Tottenham, yeah, yeah. So it's very it's very open. If you can get if you can get through Bayern, I think the number is too short at eight to one is what I'm trying to say. But if they do fall behind, or if they even don't win this leg, then you can consider it because if they do get through, if they come back and win, and they're they'll be healthier for the second leg, um, the competition should really soften up. Uh, and that's kind of what the what I was saying off the top with Leipzig, right? It requires them at hundred to one to to beat City already, so they've already done kind of the hardest part. Um, and then you're talking about City's gone, one of Bayern and PSG is gone, one of Liverpool and Madrid is gone. Uh, it's it's going to be wide open. Um, oh yeah. If, if one of these, if if there is a little bit of chaos uh, in 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 the quarterfinals. Um, you got a Napoli ticket, right? I do have an Apple 150 yeah. to one ticket. It's just 10 that, bucks on it. That still. is live. That is just very close. That's very, <laughs> I'm trying not live. to get too and excited I, And I think it. they're overrated too. Now, like their Serie A prices are No, you know, like, Frankfurt will come back from the grave. In, and, a, in a Champions and League like this, where like yep. every dominant team has a flaw, well, all the big boys have flaws. Who, oh, yeah. Well, that's uh, why the Europa League is more interesting than the Champions League. Sure. Uh, we'll, we'll get there in a little bit. Roma's already won it. Let's talk about uh, Wednesday. Uh, Dortmund, Chelsea. Dortmund plus 150 at home, Chelsea plus 187 on the road, the draws plus 230, uh, the two advanced, Chelsea minus 163, Dortmund plus 120. These odds, of course, uh, from Bet365. Uh, last eight matches for Chelsea, two wins, four draws, two losses, 11 total goals, 6-4, 5 against. Those six goals have come on 12 and a half expected goals, uh, 7.6 allow, expected goals allowed. So a little little bit of an overperformance uh, on defense as well, but they didn't look great against West Ham. I think West Ham is, we've talked about it, they're very stout defense, so not not the worst result in the world to get out of there with the draw. Um, Should have Dortmund, Dortmund, meanwhile, five on the spin, five wins on the spin since the World Cup. Uh, 15 goals scored, five against, 10.2 expected goals created in those five matches, five and a half against. This, this to win this leg, uh, to win this tie over two legs is going to require Chelsea to score because Dortmund's going to score. They've kind of shown us that, right? Can you lay minus one sixty three on Chelsea to advance here? I know, we're, I know. I think we all we all think that they're kind of due for some regression positively, 
uh, offensively. I think Grand Potter will eventually figure it out. They they kind of look like Brighton Potter's Brighton teams from from you know eighteen twenty four months ago when they they were creating and just couldn't finish. I don't hate a look at Chelsea on on the three way line in, in the first leg to to pull the upset, but boy, I don't trust them over two legs to score enough uh, to to justify those odds. Anything for you, BJ? Yeah, I don't hate a look at the over two and a half goals in this match. So here's what's interesting is that, so I am projecting 2.92 goals for this one, but like you already mentioned, Chelsea do for so much positive regression going forward, but the Dortmund attack has been fantastic all season in the Bundesliga and is only going to improve as we go along for the season. So they're third in the Bundesliga, non-penalty expected goals. They've created the second biggest, second most big scoring chances, second most box entries. And all of that is for a majority of the season with Anthony Modeste as their main out-and-out striker, which we've mentioned, I don't know, 5,000 times on this podcast. But now they have Sebastian Haller. Ademi is getting more involved in the attack. So now a Chelsea team that I understand Enzo Fernandez is good, but he doesn't make an entire team. And I think he saw against West Ham that Chelsea is still very, very vulnerable in transition defensively and especially on set pieces as well. So I do think this is going to be a little bit of a back and forth type match. And Dortmund has been pretty average defensively in the Bundesliga as well. So with the Chelsea attack, having some positive regression going forward with it, with the Dortmund attack already being great and already going to be even better going forward in this leg. I mean, even if you go through Dortmund's results and you look at when they've played some of the best competition, they created 1.6 against Bayern. They had a great offensive performance against Manchester city in both legs. So I think this is a back and forth type match. I do like over two and a half goals, which you can find at minus one Oh five out there. So I think we're going to see some of that positive regression for Chelsea. And then the Dortmund attack can definitely threaten this Chelsea uh, defense and transition. Uh, Anthony, anything for you real quick. Yeah, I, I think uh, it, it's a contrasting styles and it's going to be a really interesting matchup. I mean, all four of these matches this week, I have projected pretty close to a coin flip. <laughs> so I am very much excited for this. Like it is not, and I said this when the draw came out, like it is not the best betting slate in the world where I'm like chomping at the bit to get down on like this team hammer spot against this team that I think is super overvalued or undervalued ever. Uh, but this is an interesting tactical matchup because Chelsea wants to play slow and Potter wants game control. And, you know, you talked about Brighton, like what happened after Brighton couldn't finish all their chances for a little while. They got good. Um, but we also don't know what Chelsea is. I mean, I thought they played fine against West Ham in, in aggregate. They didn't really create much in the second half, which was kind of concerning. Uh, they should have had a penalty, but like should have had a penalty in stoppage time on a bad chance. Doesn't mean like, oh, should have won because you didn't really deserve it, even though the call was obviously a handball. So it's kind of tricky to say, but I think... We don't know what Chelsea is because they don't even know. Like they're changing all these players in and like it could click. Could it click this week? I don't know. I'm kind of skeptical. Like this is the this is the easiest pass on the board for me because I don't really know what we're getting from Chelsea. Dortmund is finally getting healthy too, but they're still kind of bad in transition. I mean, their transition numbers are really poor this year. They're bad defending set pieces, which is always a red flag in these knockout tournaments. So that like you can make a case against four both teams. I don't really have a strong opinion here. I will be interested uh, in about a month when we get some more data on what Chelsea looks like and what Dortmund looks like with these teams being fully fit again and having new players, uh, what it will look like then. These are the two teams where like of the eight playing in this round or of the 16 playing in this, in this round, I think in terms of like, who's a team nobody's talking about that could make a run. It's probably these two. And then, and then enter for me, like, those are the three where I'm like, oh, if things were to break, like this team could be really dangerous in a year where there is no dominant, dominant team at the top. Uh, finally on Wednesday, 
Club Bruges. They're here. They're ready to party. Uh, plus 320 at home hosting Benfica. Odds on on the three-way line, minus 118. The draw is plus 275. Two advance, Bruges, plus 333. Benfica, minus 500. Uh, this is kind of what I, you know, I was talking about, how Leipzig, with their draw, taking on City, uh, it's... That's why they're 100 to one, and Benfica 28 to one because they are playing the worst team uh, in in the round of 16 in their matchup. So I'm gonna bet Bruges on the three way line and and maybe bet them to advance, but it comes down to a lot of times I think because Benfica was really impressive in that group stage and they've been good in 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 the Portuguese league. We know that they're better than Bruges, but we're still talking about a team from the Portuguese league as a team from the Belgian league. It's in Belgium. I think there's enough pointing to Bruges uh, at this number, and I don't want to get too wrapped up in what we saw out of Benfica in uh, in the group stage. Like I said, it was good, but the group stage was so weird all over the place. So I'm not uh, I'm not too thrilled uh, laying juice with Benfica. Uh, but BJ, you've been trying to you've been, been trying, trying to tell people about been tra- how you've been bad trying to squash this Bruges team, team for a long time. Yeah, but long they, time. they keep. By the way, do you guys do you guys uh, do you guys know who's managing Bruges right now? Scotty Parker. Scott Parker is managing Bruges right now after getting fired from Bournemouth after Jurgen Klopp assassinated him. Um, I don't see it at all. I don't see with this Bruges team. Even if you look at the results coming out of the World Cup, I understand they overperformed Four. in the Champions League. I yelled that until I was blue in the face, and it finally came to fruition against a fellow Portuguese side, Porto, who pounded them 4 nothing on the road. They've won one match since the, since the World Cup break. One match in the Belgian Pro League. They have a plus 0.35 expected goal differential in the 13th most difficult league in Europe. While Benefica, I understand they just lost Enzo Fernandez and Anthony's going to tell you he's their best ball progressor and they're going to lose that without him in the middle of the pitch. But they're still at around a plus two expected goal differential per 90 minutes in the sixth most difficult league in Europe. And oh, by the way, they took care of business against lesser competition in the Champions League in the group stage. I do not see it. I mean, even if you look at this Benefica attack, they've only gotten better. Since the transfer window, they brought in Guedes from Wolves on loan. They still have Neres. They have Gonzalo Ramos scored a hat trick in the World Cup. This team is unbelievable. This team is awesome. They've been close to one and a half goals better in a better league than Bruges, but yet they're only minus 110 on the money line? What? No. Give me Benefica minus 110. This is an all great, great spot for Benefica, who's also been in great form since Endo Fernandez has left. So... They still have Jael Mario, who's a very capable central midfielder. So let's not sit here and act like just because they lost Enzo Fernandez, who's only been there for half a season, that this team that has loads and loads of talent is going to suddenly fall off in the midfield. I don't see it at all. Oh, by the way, and Andre Scav Olsen and Jutkla, Jutkla, if that's how you pronounce it, I apologize, are both questionable to play in this match. Scav Olsen, their best midfielder, and Jutkla was basically one of their best uh forward in this champions league run so benefica minus 110 i do not see it with this bruce team they stink and they've showed that all season long but somehow anthony is going to buy into them that's a barca legend fair yeah that's true you know look i think we we can look at like the sample of games in the champions league and we can say like oh they're not actually a good team but like, let's consider what wins generally in these Champions League situations, these knockout tournaments. We've seen it before. You don't need to have dominant underlying numbers in one match. You need to have a system that is effective, a good transition ability. Midfielders, they have a really young team. They press effectively. Like Bruges is the kind of underdog that I want to get behind. 
And I understand that their underlying numbers in Belgium have been bad, but it, it becomes different in a, in a Champions League environment. Let's go back to what they actually did in the Champions League because, yes, they absolutely rode Mignolet, who was god mode in the group stage. Like, you can't deny that, but like, okay, they played Porto twice. They didn't just play them once, they played them twice. The first meeting, they waxed them. Like, there was some defensive no, errors, didn't. but like, stop it. No, they didn't. They, they scored four goals over off, two of, and a, off of five shots. Again, but two and a half over two and a half expected goals. They the sat penalty. deep, let them have the ball, the transition effectively. Yeah, there were some defensive mistakes in there, but again, four no win on the road in Porto. BJ only counts the four no win uh, that, that Porto got. They got where two are we playing this match at? They the, in Bruges. They played exactly. and they're, they have a good home field. They played Leverkusen twice. Leverkusen mid table, you know, German team who's underperformed this season, but hasn't been you know, like they still. Have, you know, you, you could make the case that they're a decent team. Uh, I won't later, but. Played Leverkusen twice, uh, held them under one expected goal in both meetings. Like, this is not a team who's just like a, a total sieve. The only game where they got truly pounded was Atleti in the second match when, yes, they were very, very fortunate. Mignolet was standing on his head. But they were 11 guys behind the ball, defending for the point because all they needed to advance was a point. And the game never got out of a game state where they had to do anything more or even attack because uh, they had just beaten Atleti, by the way, at home two weeks before. Now... Atleti was minus 115 at Bruges in the Champions League. And, uh, you know, BJ made the same case. And he said, uh, Bruges is still bad. We've been saying Bruges is terrible all the time. Maybe they'll be terrible on Wednesday. But catching a half goal at home, I am very intrigued by this this midfield. Noah Long, one of, my, one of the up-and-coming guys you're going to hear about in the future. I would like it if, if Yukla would play. He said eight goals and four assists this year. He's been good, but uh, we don't know yet on that. But yeah, I will be on Bruges plus a half. I'll go head to head with BJ. We'll go. We'll go to battle. This kind of reminds me of the Ajax situation from last year, where like Ajax trucked everybody in the group stage. We we're like, yes, Ajax, Ajax, Ajax. But the market got a little inflated on them, and I think that's a little bit of the case here. Like, yes, Benfica is better than Club Bruges, but are they good enough to be laying, you know, minus one fifteen on the road at Bruges yeah, in the first right. leg of a, a matchup they don't need to win? I don't think so. So yeah, give me Bruges plus a half. We'll disagree. Uh, I'm gonna fly in the face of. Uh, of Benfica, who look like impressive, very good, but yes, losing Enzo I think does matter in this kind of matchup, especially when you're playing a team who wants to run in transition and has the pieces to do it. Um, Buchanan, especially, like they have really fun transition attacking pieces, and that's how they ripped apart Atleti, ripped apart Porto with some, you know, a little bit of, like pressing traps, spring a, spring a mistake, big chance, big chance. They're not going to take 20 shots if they get eight and they score. I think they're in good shape. All right, uh, let's quickly talk about the Europa League. There is a clear headliner. Barcelona minus 143 at home, hosting Manchester United plus 320. The draw is plus 320. Barca minus 175 against uh, to advance against United plus 125. The Red Devils are. I think what the market is telling us here is something pretty interesting, which is United is they're rolling right. Like this team is it's unrealistic to expect them to win the Premier League, but they're in the kind of title race. Like when you're going to see the graphic on Peacock and NBC Sports. Ars, there's going to be C- Arsenal and City, and they're going to show United. They're close enough to be on the fringe, and they've been rolling since October, and yet Barcelona's minus 175 to advance past them. That tells you a couple of things. Perhaps United isn't as good as they're giving credit for by the masses, and the second thing is, or maybe Barcelona's just that good. Is Barcelona, are they one of the best teams in the world right now? It looks like it. Uh, I really don't have anything here. Uh, BJ... I'll flip it to you. I feel like you've been licking your chops for this spot for a while. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm taking Barcelona minus 140. 
Uh, Barcelona, I mean, before the city, you know, put on three point what nine expected goals against Aston Villa today. Barcelona had taken over the top spot in Europe's top five leagues and expected goal differential per 90 minutes. And they are absolutely rolling right now. They're unbeaten out of the World Cup break. They've won seven ma- seven of their last nine matches. And listen, this is another situation where very similar to I kind of see this as you know how United played against both City and against Arsenal, where United's gonna sit deep. They're gonna play a low block. But the same the trap that Xavi's not gonna fall into, which is the pet the the trap that Pep fell into was that United did such a good job at closing off the middle of the pitch because their low block is very effective and it is very good. What Barcelona's been doing is they've been building out in a 4-2-4 shape. So essentially they are creating a lot more whip with Rafinha, Pedri, Gavi, and creating more space for Lewandowski in the middle. So I think they're going to be able to attack United in wide areas because where is United weakest at their fullbacks who don't defend uh, as well as other places on the pitch. Obviously, Casemiro will be back for this match, which is very, very big, uh, especially given the last two matches against the Leeds. Obviously, uh, they did not deserve to beat Leeds today uh, on Sunday. Uh, not at all. I mean, Leeds outgraded them 1.8 to 0.9. Uh, and I think this is just a really, really good Barcelona spot. And guess what? The matches are starting to stack up for Manchester United now. We're going on three weeks where they've been playing two to three matches per week now. And now you have to go on the road to Barcelona in the midweek after coming off back-to-back matches against Leeds. So, yeah, I, I don't see it. I have Barcelona projected at minus 217. I truly believe that this Barcelona team right now, the way that they're playing, are the best team in the world. Uh, and I think it's going to be very, very difficult for United if they couldn't really keep Arsenal out. Obviously, Casemiro wasn't there for that match. And even the match against City, City tilted the field on them. I get it. They didn't create a lot of expected goals, and they didn't play a lot through the middle. But if they played the ball, you saw it. Anytime that City wanted to play the ball out wide, there were just acres and acres of space. And if you want to give Rafinha and other guys that much space, good luck. Uh, So I like Barcelona minus 140. Uh, Anthony, you got anything here? Yeah, I'm going to play Barca, but in a different way. I'm going to play to advance. Uh, if you shop around, you could find minus 140-45 out there. Uh, I like that a lot. Now, here's the thing. This is not like the Champions League where they're going to have a month in between matches. This is this Thursday and next Thursday. So they're going to Manchester next week. You mentioned the match pileup. Uh, it is a problem. Ted Hag has not rotated really at all. Uh, he played some really interesting lineup decisions, you know, second leg against Nottingham at home, like playing his best players. FA Cup didn't really rotate, then had the midweek match, consecutive matches against Leeds, which are very physical, very uh, high tempo matches. Uh, United did not play that well in this match at all. I thought, you know, for 80 minutes, Leeds was clearly the better team. They took 10 penalty box shots to three, I think it was in the end. Uh, Not a competitive match. Uh, but they did have the finishing and then they, you know, the subs changed the game. You know, Lissandro coming in does make United a lot better. But uh, they will play the second leg next Thursday in Manchester three days before a cup final. So, you know, it is expected that United will have one eye on that. Now, I don't know what Ten Hag will do. He may not rotate at all. It may depend on how the first leg goes. Uh, but I think it's it's interesting for United, who's in a solid position in the top four, and has a chance at a trophy on Sunday, first under Ten Hag, to then go all out in the second leg here. Now, we'll talk about this match again next week, like the return fixture. I I don't really trust Barcelona still. Like to, to I think they're a little bit overinflated in this matchup, but I do like them next week at United, so I'm just going to take the minus 140-45 on to advance. 
Yeah, and let's not forget, like United has been playing much better at Old Trafford than they have away from home. Like not even counting today, they were still at a negative expected yeah. goal differential away from home. Barca, they're at plus 1.8 expected goal differential at Camp Nou in La Liga this season. So, and like, I get it. If you go back to the Champions League where they got pounded by Bayern Munich, like at home, but Manchester United is not Bayern Munich. So uh, yeah, this is a great, great Barcelona spot who will be without Busquets. But again, since Barcelona basically bought what, 10, 11 guys in the summer transfer window, they have plenty of depth uh, to get through this type of match pileup. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's, real quick, 30 seconds each. Uh, another Europa League bet you want to throw out there, BJ? Yeah, let's go Roma. Draw no bet, minus 120 on the road against Salzburg. We've all, now, if, you, if you're just listening to this podcast, you haven't heard us say it, we have all bet Roma 23 to 1 to win the Europa League. That is a wonder goal grouper. So if you haven't bet it, bet it right now. But I don't think there's any reason that Roma should be a pick in this match. So we've already talked about how great Jose Mourinho's team is. They're at a plus 1.06 expected goal differential per 90 minutes. Just outcreated Lecce 1.7 to 0.3 over the weekend, but drew them 1-1. What makes them so good is teams just cannot get in their penalty area. Like Jose is not providing much resistance, but their final third entry to box entry conversion rate allowed is only around 19%, which is on par with basically the best in all of Europe. And they're only allowing 0.72 non-penalty expected goals per match. And it's been a while since we've obviously talked Champions League or, or Europa League, but Brummel was awesome in the Europa League. Like they had a plus 8.5 expected goal differential in the group stage. They were very unlucky to finish in second behind Real Betis and Salzburg. Listen, they had good performances against AC Milan and Chelsea uh, in the Champions League, but the Austrian Bundesliga just returned on uh, February 11th. Like, so they've only played one match now, and now they got to go host Roma, who's been one of the best teams in Serie A. And honestly, Salzburg hasn't been that dominant in the Austrian Bundesliga as they have been in years past. They're at a plus. 0.83 expected goal differential per 90 minutes when the past two years they've been above plus 1.1. So I think this is a great spot here for Roma, who I have projected at minus 117. So give me them drawing a bet at minus 120. Yeah, that, that came in just under 30 seconds. Uh, Anthony, what, like what do you have 30. here? <laughs> Monaco, plus a half at Leverkusen. These two teams are pretty much even for me. Uh, and Leverkusen has pretty middling numbers in the Bundesliga. Like they've been an average German team this year. Monaco, meanwhile, has really... Uh, turned up the juice in the last couple of weeks, couple of months even, uh, and has just a much better in-form attack. Florian Verts coming back for Leverkusen ha- will make them better, but uh, I still think this is close to a coin flip. So I take the plus a half on Monaco first leg. Uh, and as B just said, uh, get those Roma Europa League bets in. And also, I would advise you to pick a long shot in the Champions League. 
as well. Um, whether it's Leipzig in, is our other group inter, as well. Yeah, might Leipzig. be Inter for me. By yeah, the way. it's Inter Leipzig. Yep. One of those. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna bet Inter before uh, before they play um, Porto. Yep. I like their matchup with Porto too. I, I do too. Buy them. Um, and with that, uh, we'll leave you alone to enjoy this upcoming week of Champions League and of course City and Arsenal a title six pointer. And we'll see you again Thursday morning for our regular scheduled Premier League uh, preview for Anthony DeBundo for BJ Cunningham. I'm Michael Lebuff. Thanks again to our sponsors, Bet365. Best of luck with all your bets this week. Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.